If you don't own a dog, at least one, there is not necessarily anything wrong with you, but there may be something wrong with your life. Roger Carras The dog has seldom pulled man up to his level of sagacity, but man has frequently dragged the dog down to his. James Thurber The fact that a dog can smell things a person can't doesn't make him a genius. It makes him a dog. Temple Grandin Introduction The Dogness of Dogs Why is he here? Why is my dog lying at my feet in the shape of a croissant as I write this? How have I come to cherish his warm but lightly offensive pungency? How has his fish breath become a topic of humour when friends call round for dinner? Why do I shell out more than a thousand pounds each year to pay for his insurance? And why do I love him so much? Ludo is not a special dog. He's just another Labrador retriever, one of approximately 500,000 in the UK. He'd be one in a million in the United States, the most popular breed in both countries. Ludo has a lot in common with all these dogs. He loves to play ball. Obviously, he's an expert retriever. He could eat all the food in the universe and leave nothing for the other dogs. He's prone to hip dysplasia. He looks particularly attractive on a plush bed in a centrally heated house very far from the Newfoundland home of his ancestors. But of course, Ludo is a unique animal to me and the rest of his human family. He's now an elderly gentleman aged twelve and a half, and we would do almost anything to ensure his continued happiness. We willingly get drenched as he tries to detect every smell on Hampstead Heath. We schedule our days around his needs, his mealtimes, his walks, the delivery of his life-saving medication. He has epilepsy, poor love. We spend a bizarrely large amount of our disposable income on him, and he never sends a card of thanks. If you're listening to this at a point where you're thinking of getting your first dog and consider a purchase price of £800 a little dear, then all I can say about the costs to come... Pets, food, dog-sitting, accoutrements, both essential and superfluous, is ha-ha-ha. When he's not with us for a few days, when our children take him for a weekend, say, then the house feels extraordinarily empty. I feel so fortunate to know him. Goodness knows how we'll cope when he dies. This weekend, I will visit Discover Dogs and an exhibition centre in East London to watch dogs perform agility and obedience tests in a ring and I will have the chance to meet 200 different breeds, some of whom would fit in my bag and some who would have trouble fitting in my car. I'll also have the opportunity to buy a vast amount of dog-related paraphernalia and crap, the majority of which is not, of course, for dogs, but humans, including oil paintings, clothing and dog-related homeware, with slogans such as, If I can't bring my dog, I'm not coming, Dogs make me happy, you not so much, and... I'd rather be walking my schnauzer. To compensate for the fact that family pets are not allowed at this event, the following Friday, Ludo will attend a screening of Rocket Man at the Exhibit Cinema in Balham, South London. Although no particular fan of Elton John, he likes listening to anything really, so long as it doesn't sound like a vacuum cleaner, Ludo will enjoy his own seat next to mine with a blanket and popcorn treats. All the dogs at this screening will gain free admission in exchange for cuddles with the team, and the lights stay a little higher during the film 
so as not to distress them. How did we get here? To the point where the dog is top dog. How did we arrive at the moment when a dog goes to the cinema? How and when did we realise that dogs would assist humans not only in hunting, but also in bomb disposal and cancer detection? With what degree of quiet acquiescence did humans roll over and accept that our domestic lives, our work hours, the cleanliness of our rugs, our holiday choices, were henceforth to be determined by the demands of an animal that used to live outside and fend for itself? When and why did the sofa replace the scavenging? This book examines how this strongest of interdependent bonds has manifested itself over the centuries and how it's transformed so many millions of lives, human and canine. If it is at least partially true, as Nietzsche claims, that the world exists through the understanding of dogs, then perhaps it's also partially true that a study of dogs may provide a valuable insight into ourselves.